This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, September 16th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Kellen is heading back home after our coverage of the Detroit Auto Show this week. Today on the show, dealers ding Honda over low inventory. EV charging companies are not to be overlooked at the Detroit Auto Show. And lithium prices reach new records. Plus, a conversation about some of the big trends in F&I products so far this year. It makes a lot of sense while consumers are being more conservative and we're seeing, you know, still wavering back and forth in this consumer confidence index, that they would be willing to invest with their dealer to make that investment in the F&I program. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Honda dropped out of the top five brands in the latest National Automobile Dealers Association Dealer Attitude Survey after struggling with low vehicle supplies. This marks the first time Honda is out of the top five since 2015. Honda had moved around between the number five and number three slots over the six previous years before slipping to number six in NADA's 2022 winter survey. NADA surveys its dealer members twice a year on how they're feeling about the brands they sell to produce a scorecard of sorts on the relationship between brands and their respective dealer bodies. It typically asks dealers to rate their satisfaction with overall automaker performance, as well as with a brand's willingness to consider and incorporate their feedback into business decisions. According to Honda spokeswoman Jessica Finney, low product availability is the primary reason for the brand's slide from the top five. Honda has been so short on inventory, it's taken a break from auto shows to avoid attracting customers that dealers can't serve. It's one of many that are not participating on a brand level in the Detroit Auto Show, which opens to the public this weekend. That's leaving more space for EV charging startups, companies trying to meet the needs of a fast-growing electrified vehicle market. Autel Energy unveiled a charging unit this week that will allow customers to both charge their vehicles and power their houses. Plug Zen, headquartered in Detroit, showcased a manufacturing partnership and plans to produce a technology that would allow EVs to plug into any outlet just as fast as a dedicated EV charger. Massachusetts-based Ytricity showed a Ford Mustang Mach-E outfitted with its wireless Halo charger. Together, the three showed an array of approaches to charging at a time when EVs are proliferating and, as President Biden's presence at the show underscored, the need to power those vehicles is growing. Charging isn't the only challenge ahead for battery electric cars. The price of lithium, major component in most EV batteries, has reached another record high. Lithium carbonate hit a fresh record of over $70,000 a ton in China today, according to a Bloomberg report citing data from Asian Metal Incorporated. Prices more than tripled in the past year, with recent gains driven by strong demand and disruptions to production. The surge significantly inflates the price of EV batteries, the most expensive part of an electric vehicle. China held a meeting to review developments on Thursday and asked the top companies to help stabilize prices, according to the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. 
It said the government will take steps to encourage exploration, stabilize imports, and promote recycling. Meanwhile, Volkswagen Group is set to receive hundreds of millions of euros in trading profits as it offloads a massive natural gas hedge. It's selling large amounts of fuel that it previously purchased back into the German market. Bloomberg reports that VW has directed the sale of 2.6 terawatt hours worth of gas contracts. That's enough gas to run about 200,000 gas-heated homes for a year. Gas prices are now trading many times higher than their levels when VW purchased the supply due to the energy crisis in Europe that has followed Russia's invasion of Ukraine. While VW is profiting from the hedge, it's also suffered lost production and higher prices for other commodities and parts. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll hear from Protective Asset Protection's Travis Wools about how digitization is changing the F&I shopping experience. That's next on Daily Drive. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit gomoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Have you ever watched one of those steeplechase races, the long, messy competitions that have athletes clearing one obstacle after another? It's kind of what the auto industry has been like in recent years. The pandemic brought sudden challenges and risks to the workplace. Consumer demand and behavior changed swiftly. Vehicles, parts, and staff have all been in short supply. It's been a lot. Through all of that, F&I providers and dealership F&I offices have managed well and continued to make a lot of money. Senior Editor Dan Shine spoke with Travis Wools, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Protective Asset Protection, about F&I product trends and what providers and F&I offices need to do to remain profitable. Here's their conversation. Travis, thanks for joining me on the Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thanks, Dan. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us how F&I Profits are currently doing. What are some of the challenges that they're facing out there? Yeah, so happy to. It's, it's certainly an, an interesting time uh, for all aspects of retail auto, right? And certainly uh, the F&I uh, operation is, is not immune to that. But really what we've seen is there's indicators based on, you know, what we see in our business as well as what we learn directly from dealers are that 
revenues uh, from their F&I programs remain strong. In addition, um, consumer acceptance rates that we're seeing both in what we see from our sales as well as what we do with our consumer research is those acceptance rates of protection programs offered through the F&I office uh, are, remain really strong. Even as we see, uh, well, gosh, what last month we saw record MSRP uh, for uh, new auto sales, but we're still seeing high acceptance rates. Uh, for a lot of these protection programs. So uh, the car owner, the car buyer, the consumer is really seeing the value in it. And from that, I think the dealers are seeing a lot of benefits from it, both to help with with the profits, uh, because obviously they're feeling the pinch from inflation and many other factors as well, too. But also with their CSI aspects of their business, consumers seem uh, more relieved to have those protection programs in place as part of what they're doing with that vehicle purchased. So uh, that's what we're hearing. That's that's a lot of what we're, we're seeing. You know, obviously it's it's a bit of a, um, a balancing act is you know, while we're hearing that, um, you know, anecdotally from, from dealers that the, uh, um, the inventories are coming back, you know, that, that is still differing quite a bit based on geography, but we're also seeing that, you know, from that dealers are having a little bit easier time that we're hearing in certain areas of balancing those used sales and those new car sales. So, so it seems like with all that, that we're seeing a really strong performance amongst uh, the F and I operations, uh, from the dealers we're hearing from. Inflation, parts shortages, staffing shortages have not really seemed to have harmed F&I offices as, as much as maybe you would expect. It, it, so far, it really hasn't. It's, you know, obviously, the pinch of what's coming from inflation and what's happening to the average APR that consumers are seeing, both from a, a new vehicle purchase as well as used, you know, there, there's no doubt that that's going to challenge some consumers. It's going to turn some back away and take them out of the market for that for that next vehicle purchase. But for those that are moving forward, I, I think it's safe to say what we're hearing is there's probably a greater uh, focus on protecting that that investment. You know, for for your average consumer, that's you know, aside from covering housing, transportation is their next highest household expense. So when you think about that, it makes a lot of sense. If I can purchase something that is paid, you know, typically on a monthly basis or paid at a time when I'm, I'm investing those funds instead of potentially later when I'm not ready to take on a major expense due to a mechanical breakdown or something of that nature, uh, it makes a lot of sense while consumers are, you know, being more conservative and we're seeing, you know, still wavering back and forth in this consumer confidence index that they would be willing to invest with their dealer to make that investment in the F&I program. So it makes a lot of sense to us. And I, I think, you know, the dealers are experiencing that as well, too. I know that, you know, everybody kind of knows, but during the pandemic, especially, you know, the shopping experience changed because of, you know, they needed to. There was more digital, you know, in, you know more digitization in, in the F&I process. Talk a little bit about how that experience is changing and continues to change uh, in F&I. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Obviously, you know, when we went through the pandemic era, it was a real punch in the arm uh, to the to the uh, digital retailing focus. Right. So uh, we were all forced to figure out how to make it work to continue to, to you know, use the age old term push metal. So we, we had to find a way to make it work in dealers are some of the most entrepreneurial folks you'll find in any business so that they've done that. And I think coming out of, out of the pandemic, they certainly have figured out how to, to integrate that as part of their ongoing business. And so what we've seen is, you know, the F and I aspect of, of the business has really had to frankly do a little bit of a catch up, but I think has found it's, it's starting to find its stride and, and being part of this, these differing ways of, of getting through the retail process and some of that comes from, you know, on, on the financing side, that there's been tons of advancements in the fintech world, which have made that more simplistic. And now we're seeing it on the protection program side, where 
dealers are, are certainly being more proactive in how they're uh, utilizing those online channels, those digital channels to uh, present those different protection program options. And and a lot of time what we, we spend talking with dealers about is, is you know, from our consumer research, um, consumers really, they want to be more informed. I mean, for two decades now, we, you know, the consumers really flipped the script and they come in completely informed on the vehicle they want to buy and, you know, how, what options they want and, and so on and so forth, because they're completely informed from all the research they can do. Well, they're, they're looking for the same thing for a lot of these F&I programs. They want to understand more about the coverages, the benefits and the values so they can come in and make the right decision there at, at the time of sale. So I think uh, some of the stronger dealerships that have uh, dealer groups that have really embraced digital retailing are now saying, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're, we're spending a lot of time, you know, investing in educational materials for consumers, a lot, a lot of videos to really, you know, put forward the message and, and, you know, and a lot more easily digestible information about the, these coverage programs. And, and we've seen a lot of great response from consumers uh, for doing so. And tell me some of the key trends you're seeing uh, as far as when it comes to F and I products. What seems to be popular and growing, you know, kind of growing that's out there that consumers aren't purchasing. Yeah, we, we did from, from some research we did earlier this year. Uh, I was really intrigued to see what was going to come back, especially kind of coming out of that pandemic shift and and into you know what was beginning to feel a little bit like some normalcy. And what we found when we were surveying dealer groups and, and dealerships, uh, and, and as well as those folks in the F and I office, was a lot of it remains largely the same in terms of what consumers are really re- interested in, but it's just making sure that there's the the options, the full breadth of options there for the consumers. So we, we find that, uh, you know, the, the vehicle service contract, VSC for shorthand, is still sort of a, a tentpole in the offering because often it has the most inclusive coverage to protect that investment that's being made by the consumer. And with that, you know, Gap remains popular with a lot of consumers because that's a product that really protects them, uh, you know, in that catastrophic, you know, total loss scenario where they're not uh, losing out on on the difference between, you know, what the car's value is at the time and, and, and what they owe to a lender. But beyond that, we're, we're seeing a lot of growth in some of the other products, uh, product lines, and particularly as dealers look to sort of find attractive uh, bundling options for the consumer so they can offer them as a package and then the consumer feel better and feel great about what they're getting protected. But certainly um, we're seeing growth uh, continue with tire and wheel coverage, you know, as, as wheels and tires become more expensive, especially in the newer vehicles. We're seeing a lot of appearance protection packages continue to grow uh, in a lot of different ways. And and as a, as a dad with kids that are still on the younger side who, you know, still feels that uh, sheer terror when I see that magic marker come out in the back seat. I certainly know the value of feeling that comfort and of knowing I've gotten some protection, you know, should the, should the worst happen. So we're seeing a lot of the same products and we're seeing those remain very strong with consumers, but I think we're seeing dealers making sure that they have the right breadth of product offering uh, when it comes to time for the consumer to make the decision. So there's a lot of uh, used vehicles out of the world. A lot of people hanging on to their cars or buying used because they're cheaper than, and because of inventory shortages, but also because the price of new vehicles is, is, you know, is pretty high. What kind of growth are you seeing as far as protection products for used vehicles? And then uh, you know, with EVs becoming more popular and how kind of F&I offices or products are kind of following that kind of trend of, of EVs on the road. Yeah, sure. So, you know, thinking first about the the world of, of the, the increased uh, used car uh, market and just the volume that's going there, 
it's safe to say that a lot of dealers really had to take pause and say, okay, well, wait a minute, has my F&I program uh, matching what the needs are of an increased uh, you know, percentage of, of used sales, you know, working through my stores? And, you know, the answer oftentimes was maybe, but often it was a good time to reevaluate that. So while you may have a great program in place that you really handles all the all the different things that that your customer is looking for on the new side, it's really a great time to reevaluate, OK, what's being offered? Because typically you need a, a separate or, or different uh, service contract program to, that really is more catered towards the used vehicle. One that's got, you know, uh, some higher mileage coverage, one that can be expanded. Because to your point, Dan, I mean, not only are people looking, still continuing to look more to the used market when they're, when they're in need of buying a new vehicle, but, you know, we continue to see that uh, average age of vehicle on the, on the road continue to creep up. You know, I don't think we, I don't think anyone quite expected that. Of course, we didn't expect a pandemic to, you know, really disrupt the supply chain, but, you you know, that's that's a byproduct. People are continuing to keep their cars longer. So they're really thinking about that. So I think that's an important consideration that a lot of dealers are looking at. And, and in terms of EVs, obviously, you know, we've all read tons of articles coming out of automotive news about all the impacts of EVs, and, and we're all keeping a close eye on it. And I think it's important that every dealer sits down and as they review their F&I operation, really makes sure that they've got the coverages in place to be ready for it for the increase of EVs. I think sometimes we, we need to make sure that we're not overemphasizing the impact here in the here and now, because obviously there's a lot that has to go into, you know, all this conversion to more EVs going through the retail space. But certainly I know we uh, have been very fortunate to have looked at our product lines many years ago and, and really thought about the coverages and, and really integrated into existing programs, those EV hybrid alternative powertrain coverages to put them in place with existing programs because we knew that growth was going to come, but we know it's not going to come overnight. There's tons left, you know, for the EV lines to really take hold, you know, the needs for infrastructure and, and production and, and, you know, battery factories and all those good things that still have to happen uh, for us to go there. But our recommendation, I think it's safe to say for most dealers is make sure you're ready, but um, probably not a reason to hit the panic button just yet. If you, if you don't have, you know, if you feel like you don't have it all in place today. Great. Travis, uh, great conversation, great insights from you. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Dan. Always great. And uh, anytime. Appreciate it. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, dealer attitudes, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.